Hello, and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Today, we will bring you the next installment of Table A Talk with your host, Executive Director Kurt Sumner, and Gary Kent, Chair of the ALTA NSPS Land Title Survey Committee. Today's question is often raised about how the land title survey standards interact with various state statutes and requirements. So this episode talks about how the two standards interact and which one usually gets precedent. So here is Kurt and Gary examining competing standards on this edition of Table A Talk here on the Surveyor Says Podcast. Welcome, this is Kurt Sumner, your host for the NSPS ALTA Land Title Surveys session number, whatever it is, two or three, I suppose. With me is Gary Kent. And I think by now everybody knows Gary, so I won't need to reintroduce him again. But it's great to have you with us again, Gary. And we, last time we talked about some of the overall dynamics. Um, we didn't really talk about why these standards exist or how they compare with state standards and what that dynamic is in going through how this plays out. Because obviously we're all very sensitive to being sure that we do what we're supposed to do by our state standards. Uh, in my experience, of course, I've only been licensed in Virginia and Maryland over my lifetime, but in my experience, I've, I've never really felt a conflict because pretty much in every case, LT and SPS standards sort of capture everything I'm supposed to do in the state anyway. It might be phrased a little differently or, or whatever. But I'm sure there must be some instances where they're not lining up all that much. So with that, let's, let's chat about that. Yeah, so uh, most states uh, that have standards focus on um, really what they should, which is protection of the public, which ends up really being property owners and the adjoiners and that sort of thing. And, um, and so they focus on the boundary. And, uh, and the integrity of the boundary and what it takes to do a proper boundary survey, um, you know, looking at adjoiners and doing all the proper research and, uh, and finding the, uh, the controlling information and that sort of thing. Um, the ALTA NSPS standards, uh, are, they, they represent a boundary survey. It is all of that, but then it's all the extra stuff that the title company needs, and in some cases a lender may be interested in, uh, in order that the title company can provide the kind of coverage that the, the lender is interested in on the lender's title policy. For example, on uh, in most state standards, there are a few states that, that uh, have kind of different categories of surveys and uh, and some of what or a lot of what falls under the ALGA NSPS standards may fall under one of those categories, but the huge majority of states simply focus on boundary. And as an example, uh, there are likely very few state standards that require that the surveyor, for example, uh, locate the, the building that's on the property and show the points of access uh, show the utilities and the possible uh, encroachment. Well, encroachments probably are covered, but um, the easements and that sort of thing. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that is required on a land title survey, and we'll talk about why that's required. 
uh, that, that it generally is not in state standards. Uh, another part even related to the boundary itself, I was, I was going to say most, a, a lot of state standards require that the surveyor monument the boundary. Uh, a lot of state standards require that the surveyor monument the boundary unless the client doesn't want that done, uh, which I don't necessarily agree with, but that's how a lot of state standards are. Monumenting the boundary on a land title survey is optional. That's it's table A item one. Uh, and, and this gets to part of what we need to talk about, which is there we may have a conflict because if I'm in Indiana and my standards require that I monument the boundary or fi find a monument or find or set a witness to the boundary, uh, the boundary corners, and yet my client did not check off table A item one, uh, what's going to control in that case? Well, the law in Indiana is going to control. Uh, the ALTA NSPS standards are a national standard adopted by a couple of organizations, but they do not override the law in a state. So uh, if I'm in a state that requires monuments, I'm going to have to set the monuments. Uh, sometimes people wonder why that, that is not mandatory on a land title survey. I know I asked that question about 30 years ago. And the, and the reason is because particularly on the West Coast, uh, when you set a monument, it triggers certain things to happen. And one of them uh, may be what's called a record of survey. If you are uh, west of Colorado or in Colorado West Points West, you know what I'm talking about. If you're east of Colorado, you have no idea what we're talking about when we say record of survey. But uh, in, in some parts of the West Coast, setting a monument triggers a record of survey which could increase the fee by as much as double because of the stuff that goes along with the record of the survey. So uh, that's why setting monuments is optional uh, from a land title survey standpoint. But if you're in a state that requires them, it's not optional. You're going to have to check off table A item one and do whatever monumentation is required by your uh, by your, the laws of your state. So, um, you know, that kind of captures some of the differences between the land title survey standards and the state standard. Um, you know, the, I, I touched on kind of the reason why these uh, ALTA and SPS standards exist. We know why state standards exist, it's protection of the public. Land title survey standards exist because uh, when People want certain coverages on their title policy, and, and we usually call it extended coverage or survey coverage, meaning they are asking the title company to cover certain things that the title company would not otherwise be aware of uh, unless they had a current survey in hand. Uh, for example, encroachments. Um, they are not going to, they're going to have a, an exception for any encroachments unless they have a survey in hand that is, that, that is going to reveal the potential encroachments. Uh, there are a lot of issues from a title standpoint that could <clears throat> adversely affect a property that no one is going to know about unless there's a survey. And so back and we talked uh, a couple uh, and actually in the very first podcast, 
that in 1962, the organizations, ALTA, or was actually ATA at the time, and, uh, and ACSM came together, and, and ATA said, we need a, a particular type of survey that we are confident is going to reveal all these things that we are being asked to cover on a land title survey when someone asks for extended coverage. And so they developed these standards and, and virtually everything in the standards, other than Table A, virtually everything in the standards is aimed at providing the title company the information they need in order to be comfortable providing that extended coverage uh, on the property, meaning you know things like boundary line disputes, encroachments, potential prescriptive easements, claims of adverse possession, all of these things, you know, the integrity of the boundary itself. So, uh, so the, the main part of the standards is aimed at um, giving the title companies confidence that when they look at that survey, to the extent that the surveyor can, uh, all of those potential problems have been revealed. And then the title company can look at it and decide, okay, um, you know, here's what we can cover and here's what we can't. Do you uh, now the table A comes along because you know there's extra things that that somebody may want, but that's the main part of the standards and the reason that they exist. And one one question that came to mind as you were talking about that, you were mentioning the fact that there's um, uniformity perhaps within the ALTA community for um, these standards. I mean, obviously they've been in, involved for a really long time, so. So perhaps this, there's uniformity in the way title people <clears throat> understand these documents in terms of what they need, where on the other hand, there's not really uniformity, as you mentioned, across the country or even from state to state sometimes in what surveyors need to do. So I guess one of the questions that came to mind was, do you ever get or does the committee get uh, feedback from people on the title side saying, why isn't all this survey information uniform? Why isn't it the, the same everywhere? Yeah, yeah. Actually, we we do. I recall uh, uh, one uh, comment from a title person who said, uh, "Can't you all provide a standard legend so that so that we know that when we see this symbol that 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 means whatever." And um, and unfortunately, I suppose from their standpoint, we can't do that because even the symbols that we use uh, are not standard across the country. Now, if you're a, a surveyor who only works in a small, you know, in one state or in, a, in an area of a state or maybe just in a region, you may not realize this, but, but there are differences of opinions uh, and differences of practice across the country as to how you know, how we use symbols, just as a very simple example. So, uh, yeah, we do get we do get comments. And I and I certainly understand it from a, a title person standpoint who may be reviewing surveys from uh, state of Washington and Florida and, and Nebraska. And they're seeing, you know, different things. And I, it would probably be helpful for them to have uh, uh, a commonality in the use of symbols and how things are arranged. Uh, but but the fact is uh, that would be almost impossible for us to do. In fact, I would say it would be impossible because we're not going to tell people in uh, 
in some state in New England how what type of symbols they're going to use. They've been using symbols that they use for ever, and everybody else is in the same boat. Right, and and I would think there could be situations where there might not even be a state universal standard, and it's more uh, regional or within a state. Like if you know, I'm in southwestern Virginia, we're doing one thing, and down in Norfolk they're doing something else. So I'm assuming that there isn't necessarily a quote state uh, standard either for all of these things. No, I I would agree. You know, we have we have the states that have survey standards. Um, you know, there should be should be hopefully universal uh, compliance with those across the state. But there's a lot of art that goes into the preparation of the plat and, and you know, use of symbols and line weights and, and you know, hatching and shading and use of photographs. Uh, that is all part of the art of putting the, uh, the drawing together. And that, that's going to vary absolutely, even, even probably from county to county in some cases. Right. And, and one of the reasons for bringing this up in this particular segment was to help everybody grasp that concept that there's not a one size fits all in every case and all the more reason to be inquisitive, I guess, when, when you're setting up to do a particular project and also be sure that you understand the people you're talking to may not grasp that what they're in store for from, from you is not necessarily what they're going to get from somebody in a different place. Right, uh, and I and I think it's very helpful for the severe to understand that uh, because they may it may be an attorney who routinely deals with surveys in uh, in Denver, and they therefore have an expectation of what they're going to see, and they probably don't know that that uh, surveyors in other areas aren't going to do it exactly the same way. So it can be helpful in trying to smooth the smooth the way if the surveyors just understand that uh you know the practices differ and uh, you know yes as as i mentioned a minute ago just simply setting monuments you know a, a survey in the in the san francisco area if uh if they have to set a monument uh that potentially can double double the cost of a land title survey uh and, and so surveyors need to have uh you know just some sense of um, you know why things are they are because uh, things can vary widely across the country practices and laws and regulations vary widely right and and I guess one of the difficulties is it would be easy for us to say that we as surveyors should be proactive and we should be inquisitive when we're talking to people about performing these surveys but at the same time we also understand sometimes they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to take the time to talk to you. So it's a it's a tough thing to do. Uh, but I, it's worth it's worth trying to get as much clarity about all of that going in as possible. Yeah, I, I think it is because uh, uh, we want the deal to go smooth, right? The smoother it goes, the quicker it's all going to be done, and we're going to get paid, and everybody's going to be happy. And we also want our clients to be happy. We want the title company to be happy because it's going to be a local title company that most likely that we are dealing with. And we we like it when the local title company says, oh, we love working with those people uh, because uh, uh, attorneys call and they're dealing with the title company and 
and they'll say, well, who, you know, who should we use? Uh, that sort of thing absolutely happens. And, uh, and so we want to be as proactive as we can to, um, to avoid problems and anticipate things uh, because I, I want the deal to go as, as smooth uh, as possible for two reasons. One is I'm going to get paid sooner and two is I'm going to have a happy client and, and happy other people who are going to come back if, uh, if it went smooth. Do you think, um, or maybe I should say, what do you think is the incidence of the local title person, for example, who's going to either call for the work or instruct someone else to call for the work through the attorney or whoever that may be. Uh, is there a need for more interaction with those groups of people to help them better understand? We spend a lot of time, you do in particular, talking with surveyors about this. Uh, but are we proactive enough? Should we as professionals in our communities, uh, should we actually be trying to get into those into those uh, meetings where these people are or have uh, a session for them to come to to help them understand the whole thing as well so things do go more smoothly and there's a broader understanding oh yeah I, I agree a hundred percent and I you know I love talking to Severs but I really love talking to title people attorneys uh, you know realtors uh, People who don't uh, really understand what we do, they they deal with our products and our you know our our professional services, but they don't necessarily know exactly what goes into things. And so you know, offering to go to a in a in a law firm of any size, I won't say of any size, a larger law firm, they have practice groups. They'll have a real estate group. And, um, and a, a larger law firms, those people get together once a month and they have, you know, a meeting, a lunch thing. And, uh, and somebody's responsible for putting a program together. So if you can figure out, um, you know, you have a contact or just call them and say, you know, and talk to somebody in a, in the uh, real estate group and say, hey, we've got, I'd love to come in and talk to you about land title surveys. Uh, I'm sure you guys have questions. And, and they do have questions. They don't understand why we do the things that we do. Uh, same thing with with uh, title companies. Uh, offer to go in and you know buy them lunch and uh, and sit down with them. Now, we have uh, developer clients and law firms here that I I proactively uh, contact and and go out and talk with. I think it's time really well spent. Uh, and if nothing else. Uh, if you do a good job at that and they come across, you know, you come across and know what you're talking about, guess who now the expert is and uh, and who they will call when they have questions or when they need a survey done or whatever. So, yeah, I, I think we are missing opportunities when we're not doing that. Yeah. And, and bringing up that particular thought, by the way, uh, leads me to thinking and maybe you already do a lot of this in your workshops. I don't know. But I'm sitting here thinking people listening to this show are going to say, well, that's easy enough for you to say. It's easy enough for you to say, this is what we should be doing. Maybe we need to spend some time helping people within our profession have more, uh, a stronger knowledge base and, and uh, tactics, if that's the right word, approach uh, for doing that so they feel more comfortable going in and just say, you ought to do this. Maybe we should figure out a way to help them know how to do it. 
Yeah, um, I, I agree. And, uh, and as you know, we've talked a little bit about that in the last few days. Um, I, one of the things I do when I uh, uh, go out and do my programs is I encourage people to do that. And I tell them, I will give you the information. I'll give you a PowerPoint you can take. And, um, you know, with talking points, with, uh, with notes down at the bottom of the PowerPoint slide where you can just read off of that. Uh, so, I mean, that's a really simple thing, but I, but I, I think the point's well taken. It would be good if we had a, uh, some sort of program in place to, uh, to qualify people maybe to have more confidence and uh, to where they would feel comfortable and knowledgeable enough to go out and, and talk. I mean, I'm one person, you know, you do it. There's a, a few of us that do this, not very many. And uh, it would be much better if we were all out there. It would be better for the profession. We would be more visible out there. And, um, and if we can provide, you know, some training or uh, consistent documents, uh, then people are going to be hearing the same message, uh, at least the same kind of macro message right. yeah. on the internet. I think it's really important. Yeah, it's, it's always impossible to be completely homogenous in the message because it's going to change from one place to the other to some degree. But having that basic, I think, is a is a great idea. And hopefully some of our listeners will will chime in and say, hey, I could help with that. I mean, if, if that would be a great thing for us to be able to do as a as an organization and as a profession. Yeah, I I, I really agree. And I, I certainly would, uh, you know, volunteer, as you know, do my part to uh, to help accomplish that. Well, we are approaching our 20-minute break, which is what we always say we're going to try to do these on so we don't hold people up so long. So, uh, again, as always, thanks for being with me today, and I think this is a great topic for us and one that hopefully our listeners will chime in on. That's one thing we want our listeners to do. When you hear these shows, if you have a question, if you have a thought, uh, a comment, a complaint, we don't care. Uh, Not that we don't care about your complaint. We don't care what it is. We want to hear about it. So, so I would encourage anybody who's listening to the show to, to contact Gary or me and let us know what you think. And maybe you're going to have ideas that we haven't even thought about, too. So that'll be great. Right. And, and, I, and I think, actually, Kurt, we want uh, compliments to come to you and me and complaints to go to Trish. Right? There you go. <laughs> that would be that would be a better for us. And then, of course, <laughs> but then she'll tell us. So we'll get it anyway. So it, it was a, it won't matter. So. Yeah, that's that's so, well, thanks. Yeah, well, we, we appreciate uh, everybody listening in, and, uh, and we'll be continuing to do more of these. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, Gary. We'll talk again soon. You've been listening to Table A Talk with Kurt Sumner and Gary Kent here on the Surveyor Says podcast. Upcoming episodes will include the progress being made on the 2021 standards, as well as questions from our members and listeners. Coming up in January will be a series of episodes with Michael Dennis, and we'll cover several topics including new datum for 2022, the deprecation of the foot, and the rationale behind the NGS master plan. So remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And also watch our website, nsps.us.com, for information on future episodes. And remember... It's a great day to be a surveyor.